If you're just joining us, we're in week four of this series, The Family Tree, where we take a look at not a once upon a time or in a galaxy far, far away, but a true story that has happened. And it's not just about a birth of a savior. It's about the coming of a long awaited answer to all of life's biggest needs and questions and challenges. And we have started this message series with the idea that the story of Jesus, it doesn't start with once upon a time. It starts with a historical genealogy showing the family tree, the lineage, the 23andMe, the ancestry.com of Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter one, Matthew says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He was, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob. And it goes on to begin to list men and women. Jesus genealogy talks about not only the proper pedigree of people. If you're going to show your bloodline, you, you want to show, you know, kind of the people that made a difference. Uh, uh, you, you don't, you don't, you don't, you try to hide all the other stuff. You know, you keep, you know, uncle Jack, you know, behind the scenes. Nobody, you really don't want to know about uncle Jack. If you remember the story of Hitch, uh, the, 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 the old movie that he's trying to date the girl and he thinks that he's going to really get in good with her by taking her to Ellis Island, where her ancestors came from, but, you know, a different country that is immigrants. And, and he opens up the book and they find her very first ancestor. And, and it's, uh, uh, it, it's, you know, Bobby, the butcher. And, and, and the truth is like, if he wasn't like a butcher of meat, he was a killer. And, and she's like, ah! you know, it, that, these are the kind of people that were in Jesus family tree, Bobby, the butcher. I mean, not really Bobby, the butcher, but Bartholomew, the butcher. But anyway, not only were there people that were cultural outsiders and moral failures and overlooked and unloved, what we're going to see today is there were those that were unexpected and questioned God. Those that struggled with seeing the whole picture that God wanted to show them. And as father gave birth to, you know, uh, brought another son and another father brought another son, 38 generations later, the story, it continues in Matthew chapter one of all these fathers of children. And we get to this point where Elihud, the father of Eleazar and Eleazar, the father of Mathan and Mathan, the father, by the way, <clears throat> let me give you a trick on how to properly pronounce these. If you will just act like, you know what you're talking about, it doesn't matter because nobody really knows. So, so, you know, I don't, I don't know how to really say it, but anyway, uh, Eleazar, the father of Methan, Methan, the father of Jacob. And, uh, <clears throat> what we get now is 38 generations, 39, 40, 41. And we get to the 42nd generation and we're going into a timeline of nine BC. And it's not nine years before Christ. It's actually nine months BC. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Cause we're getting right here to the conception of Jesus. And we go back to that line of the lineage of Jesus. And here we see uh, in the next slide that Methan, the father of Jacob, then we have Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Um, whenever I, I introduce myself with my wife, I say, hi, uh, I am uh, Jeremy, the husband of Janet. I don't say this is my wife. I mean, that's the proper. When you're married to a Janet-level person, you're the husband of them. They're not the wife of you, okay? I'm just gonna tell you right now. And, and what we see is Joseph, who we'll talk about next week at our Christmas services. I cannot wait to talk about a story around this guy who gets like some crazy news and has to kind of what? <laughs> you know, uh, we're going to talk about it at Christmas service. It's going to be, I, I really looking forward to that. But today we're really going to focus on that wife, the fiance, the mother of Jesus. And we flip over from Matthew chapter one to Luke chapter one. And here's where we read the story. And what we're going to do is I'm, we're going to unpack this story of the, the visitation of an angel to Mary and we're gonna get some handlebars on everyday life on how, how to navigate real time, how to navigate stuff in life that we don't necessarily understand or see coming. Here we go, Luke chapter one. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, 
Get the scene in your head. Don't think of a prim and proper stained glass, uh, you know, a traditional looking stone and lime church. Uh, think of Mary not as a 24-year-old, 25-year-old running her small little business. Most likely, Mary is at the oldest, 18. More than likely, she's around 14 years of age. Okay, she, she is not at church, you know, doing nun stuff. She is probably in her room with a picture of Jerusalem Backstreet Boys and, and, and you've got uh, her geometry on her desk and all of a sudden there in her little bedroom, the lights dim, the light comes through the dark window and Gabriel shows up. What would you do if that was your room, and that was the angel visiting you. You'd probably pay attention. You'd probably stop doing geometry. Then if you didn't finish your homework, you would have a great, great excuse for your family. So the story goes on. The angel went to her and says, greetings. Hey, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Gabriel is excited. And now if, if, if your lights dimmed and Gabriel showed up through the wall and said, hey, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. How would you respond? You ever see those old commercials when there used to be this thing that's real popular, it used to be popular, maybe it's still around, the publisher's clearing house. And there was this thing where people would send stuff in and they would select somebody and they'd show up in a, you know, a silver town and country and they'd pull out of it and they'd, they'd, they'd have balloons and a huge check and they'd come knock on the door with a camcorder and, and they would surprise and they'd open the door, you know? And, and, and say, surprise, and they, they had won a bunch of money. And, and at first they're like, who is this at my door? But then it's like, you won a bunch of money. They're like, you know, look what the Lord has done. And they're excited, you know, yes, Lord. Remember when Oprah gave away, you got a car, you got a car. People are like, ah, people are like, oh, Jesus. You know what I mean? It's like, it was crazy. People just like go crazy when something cool like that happens. Now you would think that with that introduction, greetings, Mary. The supernatural is in your bedroom. You are highly favored and the Lord is with you. I mean, could you ask for a greater bouquet of balloons? Could you ask for a cooler big check? And here's how Mary responds. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, here's what we like to think. We like to think that because we are... Uh, more, we, we were more highly educated perhaps than Mary was, that we would handle these moments in a different way, knowing what we know now, having our intellect, having our wisdom, having the, the, the history behind us, hindsight's twenty twenty. that we would be able to accurately and effectively process these moments. But you are just as real and just as dysfunctional as even the Virgin Mary. Uh, she had some questions, had some fear, had some worry, had some wonder in this moment. And we want to kind of sanitize these Bible characters to kind of just be jumping right into the middle of stuff. But look, if you had a visitation of God that was going to incredibly alter your future, you're probably going to respond the same way. You will respond the same way Mary does. So she's wondering, what is this about? And the angel said to her, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You found favor with God. And you're gonna conceive. And I can just see the angel excited. I got good news. This is some cool things. You ready, Mary? Brace yourself. You're gonna conceive and give birth to a son and you're gonna call him Jesus. It's gonna be awesome. And he's gonna be great. and gonna be called the son of the most high. It's gonna be off the chain. And then when, oh, back up, when you see all of these things, all right, just understand that like, this is a lot of information for a 14 year old, 15 year old girl to take in, isn't it? It's a lot of information to take in. And so here, I want you to kind of put yourself in Mary's shoes and let's ask this question. When you receive an unexpected gift, how should you respond? This is an unexpected gift, but it don't feel like a gift to Mary right now. It feels like a, a warning. Uh-oh, what's happening? 
Have you ever gotten a gift from somebody around the Christmas season or birthday or something and, and you ask yourself, what in the world were they even thinking? Because like it doesn't even make sense for you. Anybody ever got a gift like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, me too. And, and how many of you have ever received a gift that was like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe they thought of that. I, that is so kind. What a, I mean, they, they just knew my heart and man, that just shows their love. Anybody got a gift like that? Yeah, okay, good, good. Two of you got gifts? That's great, Lufkin. I've gotten some good gifts and I've gotten some bad gifts. And, there's, and here's what a good parent will do. You know, if, if you're going into like grandparents' house and they're gonna be giving gifts and you don't know what the gifts are, a good parent is gonna say to their kids, now when you receive something, you know, the, you know the conversation. Anybody ever had the conversation with your kids? You're gonna receive some gifts and you're gonna open them and you're, 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 you're gonna get what you get and you don't throw a fit. You'll get what you get, you don't throw a fit. You're gonna be happy, you're gonna say thank you. No matter what it is, you're gonna, be, you're gonna say thank you, okay? My mom had to say that every time my dad went on a missions trip and brought back gifts for all the kids because my dad is the worst gift giver, one of the greatest men that has ever lived. One of the worst gift givers in humanity though. Comes back one year and he gives us these backpacks. They look like girl backpacks. One, I'm a sophomore in, in high school, I'm like dad. The next year he brings, he brings me a leather like an all black leather ball cap. And I'm going, dad, that is weird. That is, that is weird. Anyway, I, I, didn't, I didn't wear it. Um, I gave it to the, the, the weird person that lived next to us. And, and uh, like, he didn't know how to, how to give good gifts for their very first Christmas. He got my mom a peanut butter maker. And my mom got him like a, a, a really nice Bible. And my mom's allergic to peanuts. Like she has a peanut allergy. No, I'm kidding. She's not. She's not. That would be weird uh, and deadly and premeditated. Um, but but let's, let's go beyond gift. Like we know it now and Mary sees it later as a gift. But in that moment, it don't feel like a gift, does it? Doesn't seem like a gift, does it? As a matter of fact, you might have something different. Like when you receive an unexpected report, how should you respond? When you receive an unexpected wound from someone that you thought you could trust, how do you respond? When you have an unexpected blessing, how should you respond? When you have an unexpected storm, how should you respond? And really that question about an unexpected gift or an unexpected whatever, anything unexpected, really, it answers another question. And for those of you that are Christ followers that want to bow a knee to Christ and invite Jesus to be the center of your life and surrender to him day by day in a, in a process of continually uh, giving him your, your best, another way you could ask this is this, what does Christian faith really look like? Because your Christian faith isn't gonna be one victory bounced to the next, bouncing to the next, bouncing to the next. It's going to be the, the mountaintop highs, yes, but it's also gonna be, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's gonna be, I believe you are who you say you are. And then other times, Peter, who says, you are the Christ, also says, I don't know him. Because he was dealing with the unexpected in that, in that area, in that moment right there. So how does Mary respond to an unexpected gift, to an unexpected surprise, to an unexpected report, an unexpected U-turn in what she thought was going to be her life? She's now going to live a completely different path. How does she respond? And how can we learn to respond in the same way? First one is this. Number one, if you're taking notes, Mary responds thoughtfully. She is going to wrestle with this. Many times, uh, skeptics of Christianity, people on the outside of the Christian faith that, that aren't believers yet, they will look at believers and they'll say, well, I, I, I like to think about stuff and I like to kind of, you know, measure everything. I don't just take it, you know, just in faith. God never asked you not to measure stuff. He never asked you to not taste and see. He invites you to taste and see that the Lord is good. He, he invites you to, to lean into truth, to, to, to search, to seek him out, to, to knock and, and to ask. Like you, you, you can ask the questions why. Like it's okay to ask 
why and how come even Jesus himself on the cross, we, he shows that it's okay to approach the father saying, my God, my God, why? Why? She responds thoughtfully. And here's how she re responds. And here's the invitation to us to not just respond with an emotion or just respond with intellect or just respond with a tear in worship or just respond with a song. But, but we see with Mary, she is responding in faith that is a whole person experience. It's a whole person. We are going to see her respond not only in her mind, but in her heart. We're going to see her respond not only in her heart, but in her hands. Not only in her hands, but in her womb. Not only in her womb, but in her feet and the way she walks and the way she talks and the way she operates moving forward. She's going to respond thinking about it. Like this is not blind faith. I don't know. God said it. That settles it. I believe it. Just don't. La, 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 la. Like she had to let her whole person engage. She could not live on the faith of the angel. She had to find her own faith. Some of you, some of us, you're still relying on the faith of your grandma. My grandma prayed a lot of prayers over me. Some of you are relying on the faith of your pastor. And what Jesus wants to invite you into is a whole person experience where you allow Jesus and his spirit to build faith in you, your faith that you own, that you hang on to, that isn't just in the family tree, that isn't just down the line in the lineage of the 23 and me, but it's your faith. But I want you to know it doesn't show up full grown. It's not like, Mary, I'm Gabriel, you're gonna have a son named Jesus, and bloop, there he is. There's a pregnancy involved. There's a process of growth that takes place. And the same way God wants to grow your faith from a seed, from a conception moment to a, a growing, uh, strengthening, maturing faith. And we see this process in Mary. This isn't a blind faith. How do we know this? Well, because Mary was greatly troubled. She was greatly troubled. She was struggling with this thing. The Bible says Mary wondered, what does this mean? Now that word wonder, we're gonna see in a different way later on in the story, but the word in the original language used for wonder doesn't mean like, ooh, I stand in awe of you. Mary wondered, and here's what the original language, the word used there means to make an audit, to investigate, to cross the T's and dot the I's, to basically be intensely rational. Jesus doesn't invite you into a blind faith relationship. He invites you into an intensely rational. People think that the story of God just seems so irrational. It does when, when you think that everything revolves around you, but when everything revolves around God, all of a sudden he's God. He can do what he will jolly well pleases. Now it becomes more rational to have that thought that God is in control and I am not. And he, she is gonna respond with intense rationality. Now the angel goes on to say, the Lord God's gonna give him a throne of his father David. He's gonna reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now as she hears all of that, you know, then she says, okay, it's all good. Let's go. No, she says, mm, how can this be though? I don't know if you know this or not, Gabe, but like, wink, wink. I've never been with anybody. I I'm not going to be pregnant. I've not been with someone. Okay. Now this takes us to number two. Mary not only responds thoughtfully, but she does have her own doubts. She responds doubtfully. How can this be? I don't know about this. I'm questioning, all right? Now, here is the truth about us. Here's the truth about humanity. Here's the truth about um, baby Christians and senior saints and everybody in between, okay? We're addicted to certainty. We want to know what's next. We're addicted to it, all right? And so when uncertainty is high, when you're dealing with a higher uncertainty in your life, doubts begin to trend. 
They become your hashtag. They become your algorithm. That as uncertainty grows, it's easier for doubts to manifest in all kinds of places. Let me give you some quick examples. Our culture has some doubts about the church and about God. Well, duh, every culture has had doubts about God and even about church and organized religion. But let me not talk about the culture today. Let's talk about actually the church. Strong Christians can have doubts. Not just weak Christians, strong Christians. John the Baptist, who would prepare the way of the Lord when he was going good, he was like, man, I'm not worthy to unlock those sandals you got on. This guy's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost. But then when he is actually imprisoned by Herod, he has to send a little letter over to Jesus saying, are you sure you're the one? Are you really the one or should we look for somebody else? Like when the going got, when uncertainty was high, even John the Baptist doubted. When we, when we doubt the future as Christ followers, you know, they, we won't call it doubt, but we, what we do is we, we kind of sanitize it and we call it just, you know, worry. We're just worrying. When we doubt the future, a form of doubt is worry. When, when, when we doubt other people, that form of doubt is suspicion. Instead of filling the gap with trust, we fill the gap with suspicion in people. When, when we doubt ourselves, we put another word on it, but it's insecurity. When we doubt the Dallas Cowboys, we call that wisdom. Now, look, I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm just saying, like, like you know, learn, learn some lessons. I mean, I know Christmas time's coming and you're excited, but just manage your expectations Anyway, we, love, we doubt everything. When you're somebody that just doubts, anybody know anybody that just doubts everything? Just doubts it all? Well, that's what we call skepticism. That's another form of doubt. Hey, when we doubt God in the church, even strong Christians, here's what we say. We, we say, uh-uh, uh, 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 that's unacceptable? No, that's immature. If you were more mature, you would have it. But really, there's a word for this. When you and I doubt God, Here's a word for that. Normal. Normal. It's normal for you to deal with doubt. And here's what it looks like when you doubt God. When, when most, most people don't doubt that God exists, most people, it's just they doubt what kind of God exists. And because their personal experiences, much like Mary in that moment, could have led her to have a lot of different emotions and feelings and thoughts and conclusions about God, she could have leaned away instead of leaning in. But we all, we, we are trying to figure out what kind of God is he really? Because when answers to our prayers are delayed, we can lean into the thought that maybe God doesn't care. We doubt God's care. When Facing a seemingly impossible situation, we may doubt God's power. Is he really strong enough to meet me where I am? When tragedy strikes, good people, bad people, Christ followers, not Christ followers. When tragedy strikes, oh, we doubt God's love and wisdom. It, 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 how could he love me if we would let this happen? He's not who he says he is. He's not wise. There's no way this is the wise thing to do. And there's some situations that I, as a pastor, have had the honor and privilege and responsibility to walk through with other people that are tragedies in their life. And if I were God, I would have done it different. And we can question God's wisdom when he doesn't show up the way we wish he would. When God's word contradicts my life or the life of someone I love deeply, when God's word says live this way, but my friend or myself, we wanna live this way, we wouldn't necessarily, we're doubting God. We, in fact, we say, I love God. God loves me. God loves all people. But what we're doing is we're, we're doubting God's authority. There, there are some things in our life where we love to say, God, I'm yours. But then when it interferes with the way we want to live, the way we want to operate, or what culture might say, that's when we say, God, I'll take it from here. I'll take it from here. And it's part of the doubt, and it's part of a process. I got some good news and bad news for you. Let me give you the bad news first. Scripture says it like this in the book of James, a doubtful mind, if you're struggling in and out, in between, 
okay? It'll be like an unsettled, as a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. That, that's, we get seasick with a doubtful mind because that's a struggling place to be, to live. Every decision you then make is gonna be even more uncertain. And so uncertainty is high and doubts begin to trend. The deeper your uncertainty, the stronger your doubts. And what we tend to do is we start believing our doubts and doubting our beliefs. We begin to believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs. Instead, Jesus wants to invite us to believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts, but at least investigate them and at least lean into them. The good news is this though. Here's here's the good news. We are often troubled, but not crushed. And sometimes in doubt, sometimes in doubt, but we don't have to be in despair. It's not in your blanks, but you can write it down somewhere. It is possible to doubt without being defeated. And Mary is in a moment where who knows what this 14 year old mind is thinking. (laughs) I have a hard time knowing what my 14 year old son is ever thinking. But here she is in this moment, what is going through her mind and her heart? She responds doubtfully. Now, here's what I wanna show you. Doubt can be a sign of an open mind, all right? When you're doubting, there's two ways you can do it. You can doubt with an open mind, an open hand, all right? When, and here's what it looks like, when you're seeking answers, when you're seeking answers, all right? So so you wanna investigate this. The disciples were still investigating even up to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Like they still had questions. They, they were wondering what is going on. I mean, even Thomas had doubts like, you know, Tommy shows up and he's like doubting. I don't know. I got to see it to believe it. How can this be? She says now she's open minded because she now wants to listen. She's going to listen. Listen, listen to me, everybody next year. I really have sensed that God has placed a responsibility on me as your pastor and on this church to deepen your resolve of your Christian faith and to strengthen your apologetic, meaning to really know why you believe what you believe. All next year, all next year, everything we do is going to lean you in to deeper understanding and knowing this is why I believe what I believe. But that doesn't mean that you disconnect from becoming someone who listens. What we see in Mary is she says, how can this be? And many times when people say in this culture, how can this be? All right. When we try to give a response or they try to give a response to you, say, how can you live like that? How could you do that? How could you do that to your life? How could you, that, that, is, that is so against God. And they say, well, and you're like, no, I'm not, I don't even have time for this. I don't even have time to listen. Like, shut up and listen. Listening, God's not like, I can't believe you listen to that person. Man, I'm questioning your faith. Listen. Look at the response of Mary when she's confronted with some information that is very new to her that is gonna mean she has to live. Do you think living the Christian life is just like daisies and buttercups and honey nut Cheerios? This means a radical surrender, a radical sacrifice. Listen, this is a church anyone can come to and I love to take next steps and empty seats are a big deal and we don't do life alone and we don't want to maintain, we want to multiply and and we want to have all that. We won't keep this to ourselves and we're going to be generous and we're going to have fun. But I want you to know like you've got to own your faith. You've got to to respond at some point to what God is saying and it's got to be your own. It's got to be your own. But listen, listen. Don't just respond closed-minded to a world. You can listen to what people have to say of why they feel that this is the way God has chosen to, to, to do it or do that. And it's completely not the way you read the Bible. Completely not, it's completely against what you, but God didn't say for you to plug your ears. He says to be available for those that have questions. And that you, when the time is right, can give a good, solid response in kindness and in love. And all next year, I feel like God has placed it on our heart how to really be salt and light to a world that needs it. Big time. So she listens and the angel says, well, I'm so glad you asked. How can this be? I'll tell you. The angel answered, 
The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, she's gonna have a child in her old age. This is news to Mary. She doesn't know what's going on. They live quite a ways away and there's no tweet. There's no Facebook. There's no private messenger. She's who is said to be unable to conceive. She's in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail Mary. And here's how Mary responds. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Not, I know it will be fulfilled. I'm gonna walk palms up on this, Gabe. I'm gonna figure this out. And I'm hoping, may the word truly be fulfilled in this moment. She responds in that way. But here's the other side of doubt. So that's doubting with an open heart. That's doubting with an open mind and an open hand. But doubt can also be a sign of a closed mind, all right? And this may be something that you may be struggling with. It can be a closed mind when I'm defending against the possibility of an answer. So instead of leaning in and listening, all I'm doing, have you ever had this argument with your spouse? Maybe it's just me. I'm gonna confess my sin one to another so that I might be healed. But Janet is saying, I wish you would do this and you would do that. Or why, why didn't you fulfill this responsibility? Or I asked you 14 times and, and I'm, 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 I'm looking at her and I'm not talking to her, but I'm not listening to her either. I'm actually working up my defense strategy in my mind of the seven things that she did too, that she's forgetting all, you know, conveniently and that she didn't do it that way either, and that she gets all upset too and all that, and I'd like for her to, you know, maybe do this. So instead of listening and responding, uh, all I'm doing is I'm closing my mind to any kind of possibility that she might have something worth hearing. And here's what's crazy. We see both of these in this chapter. Now, I, I saw this for the first time this week, and I, I want to show this to you because I think this is, an, this is an incredible lesson to learn for all of us, me first. So if you take this moment and Gabriel has shown up and she says, I'm the Lord's servant, but you start backing it up and the, 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 the angel comes out of the window and the lights come back and she turns back and she's doing her geometry and you back up the clock, six months, six months earlier, you get to the first part of this story and it's not about Mary, it's about the other woman we just heard who had prayed to conceive and had not conceived and her name was Elizabeth. Her husband is Zachariah and he's a priest in the temple of God. And we read this story. Now watch, I want you to think through how Mary responded and her experience. And I want you to see Zachariah and his experience and how he responds. See if you can see any similarities in these two stories. Okay, I'm gonna put these together, so pay attention. Here we go. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah. An angel of the Lord appeared to Mary. Angel appears to Zechariah. When Zechariah saw him, just like Mary, he was startled and was gripped with, yeah. So. Same old, same old. I guess that's the response. I guess when a huge, dressed in white, flames of fire, wings, and a big old sword shows up in your room, you're not going to be like, oh, what's up? I mean, it's like, ah! He's afraid. Look how the angel responds. Angel said, don't be afraid, Zachariah. How did the angel respond to Mary? Don't be afraid, Mary. Now look at the difference. Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Mary wasn't praying, Jesus, you know, God, if there was anything that you could do with me, I'd love to uh, be pregnant by the Holy Spirit <laughs> and then have to go tell my parents and my fiance that it was the Holy Spirit. That would be like my dream come true. There's no prayer that Mary wants to be used by God in this way. But when you see Zachariah, there was a time there was a time in Zachariah's life where they were praying to get pregnant. There was a time where they were hoping that God would do a miracle. 
there was a season where he would grab his wife's hand and she would say, all I want is a baby. I said, I know, baby, I know. And he would go in and serve everybody else in the temple. And God wasn't answering his own prayer. But the angel shows up, says, Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, is gonna bear you a son and you're to call him John. Wow. Angel goes on. He's gonna be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. This is gonna be so awesome. And Zachariah asked the angel, Zachariah asked the angel, what did Mary ask? Basically the same thing. How can I be sure of this? How can I be sure? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And Mary says, I'm a young girl and I ain't been with nobody. They're both asking questions. How can this be? And both of them get an answer. The angel said to him and the angel said to Mary. Now, when the angel talks to Mary, she says, no, it's going to give birth to a son. It's going to be great. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to save the world from his sin. But now when Gabriel responds to Zechariah, it could be that Gabriel was on his last like message and was tired and had put in a long shift. But there's something different that's going on that we can't see. Because here's how the angel responds to Zechariah. Same situation, same people group, same questions, same struggle. And here's how the angel responds. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. He responded the exact same way Mary did. Here's what's going on. I think what we're seeing here is not a matter of how we're responding just externally and intellectually. It's a response of the heart. Mary heard some crazy news, hard to believe news. She asked questions, but she ended with, I'm the Lord's servant. But as Zachariah, could it be that because he had to wait so long, because the answer never came, we don't know why exactly. But what it shows us is with so many things we can see, there's something different that we can't see. Friends, listen to me. Listen to me, church family. You can come in and everybody can see you raise a hand and bow a knee and pray loud or pray quiet. Everybody can see you pick up your kids and kid works. Everybody can see you read your Bible in a year and post it on Facebook every day. But all that stuff is secondary to guarding your heart, of letting your heart, the whole person, respond what God wants to do in your life. Some of us are just going through the motions and you're struggling with the relationship with God because it's become an emotional thing. It's become this static kind of, well, this is just what we do. And what you've done is you've just taken a very poor copy of a parent's faith that may have been a poor copy of their parent's faith. And now you have a very faded faith because it's become this intellectual system versus a surrendered heart. Oh, that this Christmas season would get us to do way more than sing Christmas carols, but would let our hearts rejoice. Let our hearts truly respond to him. Now, here's what we see as we continue on with Mary. Mary responds gradually. 
It is a seed that germinates, that grows and grows one or two leaves and then expands from that and it's five or six more leaves and it's from that and it's stronger and stronger. She has a gradual faith and this is what Jesus invites you to. I want you to know that Jesus' gift of salvation is not gradual, it is paid for in full and you receive it instantaneously. But trusting in him, growing in him, strengthening in his character and his conduct and his conviction, that's a gradual process. That's why you can't be just kind of a one and done prayer thing. We need to invite this relationship with God to be a whole person experience from not just Sunday at 1115, but Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Saturday, big times, bad times, good times, stinky times, all the times that we need to truly engage and gradually grow in our faith. Here are the stages that Mary experiences. Stage one is what a lot of us experience, and that's measured disbelief. I don't know if I believe what they're saying. How can this be? But she doesn't just anchor herself here. Okay, parents, let me talk to you about your kids. They're going to struggle and have questions probably more than you had questions with your family about faith. And I want you to know that's okay. Don't be afraid of it. Don't walk inside your bedroom, shut the door and say, oh dear God, they're gonna be an atheist. But also don't shut your door and lock it and say, oh oh God, what am I gonna do? I'm just gonna let them, I guess I'm just gonna let them kind of navigate their their own way. You You wouldn't say to a fifth grader, if you wanna go to school, you decide, you know? I have had parents when it comes to the greatest, most important decisions you would ever make, which is who's gonna be the final authority of your life? It's the greatest decision you ever make and you're making it every day. Who's gonna be the final authority in my life? Jesus is an option. He would say he's the only option. And I would say he's right. But you can still choose whatever you want to be your final authority whether it be the paycheck, whether it be the feelings, whether it be the emotion, whether it be satisfaction, whether it be money, whether it be love, whether it be relationships, something's gonna be the final say in your life. And you've gotta determine even with your kids, even with your kids, you're not gonna say, you know what, brushing your teeth, most dentists agree. Like, no, you say, brush your teeth. Bless God, because you're not just affecting you, you're affecting everybody around you. That's how bad breath works. Like we can't leave faith just up to them to kind of figure out. This is why it's important to stay consistent. Let us be a consistent partner with you and your children on Sunday mornings and Wednesdays, during group season, during busy season, during ball season, during off season. Be as consistent as you can be. And here's what we're gonna do next year. We are creating behind the scenes right now resources for parents. I know many parents don't feel equipped, even though we're the primary teachers of our kids in their faith. We don't feel equipped. We're gonna give you all the tools. You you, you won't be able to feel like you're not equipped. We've got tools coming that are gonna be incredible. I believe other churches are gonna hugely benefit from. But if you don't do anything with those tools, it don't matter. You can have all the tools and not do a thing with them. Friends, it's time. We're living in a culture where you cannot stay silent anymore. The culture is teaching your kids every single day. Every single day in school, regardless of school, with friends, there's 168 hours in a week and we get them for maybe, maybe an hour every five weeks for the average church attender. You think that that's gonna match up to all of the stuff in the ears of our kids? We need to take ownership in this next year, really diving in to knowing why we believe what we believe, moving past measured disbelief, but that's okay. We wanna help your kids move beyond disbelief and into stage two, which is simple acceptance. Simple acceptance doesn't mean I believe everything hook, line, and sinker. It means, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. And I don't understand it, but, I'm not, I'm, but he's the master, I'm the servant. I'm gonna understand my position in this thing and I'm not gonna be the teacher, I'm not gonna be Miyagi and God gonna be Daniel's son. I'm Daniel's son. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be 
The student, he's going to be the teacher. And this is what Mary is saying way beyond teacher-student. She's saying, I'm a servant. I'm going to lay the towel over my arm. You're taking my 14-year-old life and going to do whatever you do. And I'm going to serve you. Whatever you say goes. However you want it, I'm going to do it. I am going to lean into you instead of leaning back and just questioning. She takes a simple acceptance. Friends, it's time for you to stop looking for the clouds to turn in to the picture of Jesus. You've just got to simply accept he is who he says he is. He loves you so much. He has a plan for your life. There's some crap that you've gone through. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forsaken you. He has a purpose for you. He is good to you. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid. You can listen to the voice of God for you. And you can accept it. I'm the Lord's servant. She's not saying, look, she's not saying, oh, it's so clear now. I'm all in. She's not saying, whoo I love this idea. I can't wait to tell my parents. I'm the Lord's servant. You're God. I'm not. So as we figure this thing out, <laughs> may the Lord do what he said he's gonna do. And then we get to the loneliest to me, moment in the Bible. The angel leaves her. See, it's one thing to simply accept and have a 12 foot tall glowing man with wings and a sword, you know, or whatever our picture symbolism is of an angel. Cause that would be really convenient, wouldn't it be for Mary? She's got some very vital information. She's got some tea to spill. It'd be nice if, she, if, if the angel's like, okay, see you later. She's like, ha, 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 ha. I don't think so. She grabs him by the white robe and says, come with me. You, you, you're going to stand behind me when I talk to my mom and dad. She sits down at the dinner table and the, the angel's like this with the sword and the sheaf, you know, and she's like, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And they're like, okay. But instead they're saying, you, you, who, you did what? You've been with where, what? She has no backup. She's texting Joey. She, she, she would have asked, asked the angel, text Joseph. I don't even know what to say. Just text him. He's like, mm, you know, here's the deal. Come, I need to talk to you. Let's have Starbucks together. He's like, what's up? I'm working. Oh, I'm prego. She's like, don't say that. So she goes from a measured disbelief to a simple acceptance. And now she's got she's to walk through life without an angel holding her hand. And some of us, when we get to that point and we don't have that worship service or that worship song or the pastor isn't praying over us or we're not sitting in the service, you can feel pretty lonely in your faith. But in that moment, this is where you put the reps in. And this is what Mary does. She moves to stage three, which is exercising faith from the heart. Now I'm gonna land the plane. Now before I land the plane, I'm gonna circle the airport a couple of times but I'm gonna land the plane right here. I want you to see what happens that after the angel leaves, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth, Zachariah's, you know, this, this family that we just read about that she couldn't get pregnant and now she's pregnant, she's older in age. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was just, a, 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 just, just a, a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit of God on that room inside Elizabeth. There's something powerful going on. And, and in a loud voice, she exclaimed. Now, there's a reason why it's a loud voice. Like, this isn't public knowledge yet. People don't know what's going on. So I wonder if Mary's like, nobody knows yet. I haven't told Gertrude. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. I don't have all the time in the world, but I can't go past this by just saying something about this moment. God values life so much outside the womb, and even so much inside the womb 
that the first person to respond to the coming of the Messiah besides Mary would be an unborn child. There's an unbelievable value that God chooses to place on an unborn child by placing him in the story of Jesus. Furthermore, whenever God is getting ready to deliver his people, you will see that in Egypt, right before their exodus out, the king was killing babies. After Jesus is born, the king is killing babies. There's value inside and outside the womb. God says so. God says so. And it's setting us up for a deliverance when these things are taking place. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Wow. Can you imagine Mary walking into this moment? There's something about this moment that shifts from her exercising faith from her heart to now we get to number four, Mary responds in wonder. And this isn't an audit. This is a wow, an aweness, an awesomeness. She responds in singing. In fact, the next line is Mary sings a song. She's like, mm, I got a story to tell. She goes, CC Winans right there in Jerusalem. She goes up and says, wow. She says, my spirit and my soul rejoices in God, my savior. She doesn't say, oh, this all makes sense. This is going to really help me hit my goals in 2023. No, her whole, her, her guts cry out. This is who he says, he is who he says he is. He's done what he says he's going to do. Wow. Whoa. She responds in a whoa wonder. She responds in a wonder. When was the last time I responded to God in wonder? I had to ask myself that question this week. I respond to God faithfully in my tithes and offerings. I respond to God uh, in listening and counseling and leading and uh, hopefully nine times out of 10, choosing the right thing and the wise thing. I try to respond to God um, with uh, confession when I sin because nobody's above temptation and nobody's immune from sinning. But this question gripped me this week and I hope it will grip you too. When's the last time you stepped outside and it's dark and the moon is bright and you just said, wow, God, wow. When's the last time that we've just sat and thought about how good Have you ever wondered? Of course you've wondered, but have you exercised your wonder for God? Let me, let me show you something that I hope stirs a little wonder in your, in your heart. We live in a neighborhood, thank you guys. We, we live in a neighborhood known as uh, the Milky Way. <laughs> It's a neighborhood. It's massive, but it's a neighborhood when you consider all the rest of the solar system and the galaxies. It's just a neighborhood. Um, we measure things in inches and feet and meters and yards and miles. When you get to get understanding God and the wonder of God, those things like throw those out, throw a mile out. You got to start measuring in light years. You gotta be measuring in light years. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of light years. Let me give you another example. The earth 
is close to the sun. If we were a little bit further away from the sun, we would freeze to death. If we were a little bit closer to the sun, we would burn up. We are perfectly aligned. Man, it was almost like it was intended to be, it's crazy. But even that space, when you see that sun and you feel it in the Texas summers, we are 93 million miles away from the sun. 93 million miles away from the sun. If this sheet of paper, the thickness of this sheet of paper represented 93 million miles, you would have to stack all of this paper up 300 miles high just to get to the next closest star beyond the sun. 93 million, 300 miles high. And the Bible says, by his word, by his breath, he placed every star. The psalmist says it like this, Isaiah, to whom you will compare me? Who are you gonna compare me to? Who is my equal, God says. Lift up your eyes, look to the heavens. Who created all these? He, I'll tell you who created all these. He who brings out the starry host one by one. And he doesn't just bring them out one by one. He calls them by name. And if God can name stars that are 300 miles high of 93 miles distance away from each other, and he can name them one by one and call them out one by one. And he still knows the number of the hair on your head and knows you by name. Is that the kind of God that you and I invite into our life to just be our assistant? That we invite him into our life to just kind of be the rabbit's foot, to be the four leaf clover? Is he the kind of God that we invite in our life to kind of set on the shelf like an elf and only bring him out at Christmas time? Is he the kind of God that deserves partial obedience? Some acknowledgement. If he's that big and he's yet that personal, that doesn't he deserve your heart like Mary. So how do we respond? We respond like Mary. She responds in willing surrender. She says, I'm the, I'm the Lord's servant. I don't have all the answers, but I'm gonna respond and surrender today. So as we end today, two critical questions to which we must respond. And I want you to think about these questions now as we, as we get ready to go into prayer. And I have sensed all week long, so I want you to listen to me now. I've sensed all week long. God wants to do something beyond your expectation today in you. But you, as I've already mentioned, need to lean into it. You need to lean into it. So here are the two questions. And you're gonna answer yes, no, maybe kind of, I don't know, but you need to answer and just answer for yourself. First question is this, am I willing to obey anything the Bible clearly says to do, whether I like it or not? The word became flesh and lived among us. His word is fulfilled through Jesus. And yet his word is there for rebuking us and correcting us and teaching us and guiding us. Is there anything in your life that, you know, when compared to the Bible, you're doing your thing and the Bible's doing its thing? Whether I like it or not, are we responding to the word of God that way? Here's the second question. Am I willing to trust God in anything he sends into my life? 
whether I understand it or not. Because things that are allowed into your life aren't always pleasant, are they? These are the two questions I'm inviting you to lean into in the next 12 months. Now, here's the deal. Before you wrap up your paper and you're making your plan to escape, I'm gonna let you go. But can you do business with God for about three more minutes? Here's the truth that I want to wrestle with in my heart and I want you to wrestle with in your heart. If you can't say yes to these questions, if you can't say yes, you may believe in Jesus. You may have invited him to be your savior and he has become your savior. But you've never really said, I am the Lord's servant. Because if you wanna live in that next level of surrender, he's gotta be master. He's gotta be God. You're his servant and you're his child and he can be trusted. Lean into him today. Let me pray. Father, over our own hearts, we wanna say yes to you. But Lord, we also wanna doubt forward. We wanna, with an open heart, investigate what you say. If, if there's something in the word of God that you say, and I don't know if I like it, God, I don't wanna just doubt and just move off. I, I wanna lean into that. Help me, Lord, to respond in faith like Mary. Would you give me what I need? Would you, would you give me what you wanna give me to help me put my trust in you? God, for those of us in the room that need to do business with you, may we start by just seeing how big and good and great you are. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.